0: Good evening, everyone. You're listening to Red Pill 78. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this is another edition of Red Pill News for Friday night live stream. Joining me in the studio tonight, someone that you may have seen very recently. He's been doing the rounds just on Fox and Friends, Fox Business, but he's been on a number of programs for a while. His name is Ollie London. And we're going to be talking tonight about his book, Gender Madness. Ali, unfortunately, is all too familiar with the real-life toll of woke gender ideology. And after escaping its clutches, he has devoted his life to fighting against it and saving the children of future generations. So tonight we're going to be talking about his struggle, how he came out of it and what he's going to be do now, doing now going forward. And, of course, we got to discuss the book. If you want to check out the book, it is available in a link in the description of this video. I'll go ahead and have my mods pass that out while we're here. And Ollie's Twitter is also in the description, at TV. So definitely check that out. And I hope that everyone here will also help us out by sharing the show, clicking that like button as you walk on in, if you're over on Foxhole, hit, uh, hit the red pill. Appreciate it. And without further ado, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we're going to be right back after this with Ali Lund. Recently, a nationwide bank was hit with a massive cyber attack that exposed the private data of nearly half a million banking customers. Now, according to experts, unauthorized parties stole vulnerable information, including people's social security numbers, their full names, birth dates, and so much more. Now, this banking cyber attack was so harmful that consumers affected were even recommended to get in contact with a data breach attorney. The bank also offered 12 months of credit monitoring services to victims whose social security numbers were affected. Now, unfortunately for all of those people, the damage could have been minimized or even prevented with a quality cybersecurity service like Virtual Shield One. Virtual Shield One is an all-in-one identity protection suite that allows you to take control of your online data, including identity protection, fraud monitoring, social security protection, dark web monitoring, and industry-leading VPN, malware and ad blocking, and online search data rem- Removal. Plus, you get up to $1 million worth of insurance coverage and so much more. Now, with so many tools cyber criminals have at their disposal today, putting your identity, finances, and online privacy at risk, you need a top tier cybersecurity solution like Virtual Shield One to be your guardian in today's virtual world. Now, the best part of all of this is that you can get it right now with a 60 day risk free trial. All of Virtual Shield 1 right now, plus you're going to get several free additional gifts by using my special link in the description box below. Now, similar services can cost you over $400 a year, but you can secure all of these premium services without paying the premium price tag by going to virtualshield.com forward slash redpill78, or just click the link in the description below. And when you support my sponsors, you support this chain. Evening, everyone. (laughs) Welcome back, of course, to another episode of Red Pill News Live. As always, my name is Zach Payne, the corruption detector, and joining me tonight for the very first time, author and public personality, Ali London. Ali, how are you, sir?
1: I'm great, thank you. How are you, Zach? I'm loving the colorful background.
0: Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. I like it as well. And uh, yeah, having a great day. This is uh, going to be an excellent interview. I'm very excited to speak to you about uh, everything that's happened in your life. I mean, your case is notable for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, obviously, it's been very public. Um, But unlike so many other people who have a very public transition, uh you have rejected it you've walked away from it and you've kind of uh, uh you re-evaluated your life but also uh it wasn't just that you felt that you needed to change your gender but also to change your 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 race uh which you know both of those things i think most people they think of them as some of the most fundamental things about what makes us who we are i mean when did this begin for you how did this begin
1: so it really began as a child when I was always very different. I was always an outcast. I was a loner. And you know, because of this, I started to get picked on and bullied a lot at school. So you know, I was more feminine than other boys. I was more like a girl. So you know, I was picked on for that. Um, I remember sports classes were very traumatic. I would get bullied when I was changing or going swimming and they would bully me, say that I had breasts and, you know, just really cool things. And I also had a difficult relationship with my father, which made me kind of want to reject his masculinity and try to become uh, more like my mother as well. So you know, there's a variety of things that that led me to struggle. And then, you know, I did develop very severe body dysmorphia and also gender dysphoria was linked in there. So I had a lot of confusion. And then as an adult, um, I moved to South Korea and, um that is really the cap, plastic surgery cap of the world they perform over 1 million surgeries per year um so there's a real sense of pressure out there you have to look a certain way if you want to be happy if you want to be confident if you want to succeed so you know, i kind of succumbed to that pressure and started to change myself and you know started to do more and more extreme surgeries and became very addicted to that and um, uh, you know it was really trying to feel some kind of validation and try to make myself feel good but Obviously, it was the wrong approach. And after struggling with that for a decade, you know, became, uh, struggled with my identity completely and then also became trans. Then I actually rejected that. I was like, you know what? The most important thing is to find love and find self-acceptance from within side.
0: Well, I'm glad that you got to that point, and I'm glad that you, you're you willing to speak about it too, I mean, to help other people who may be going through the same thing. I, I can imagine the environment that you explained uh, in, in South Korea, I mean, that must be a vicious cycle, I, I mean, because so many people are getting plastic surgery, so then you do it and then you get the positive reinforcement and you start thinking like, hey, I'm I'm doing the right thing, I better continue.
1: Yeah, it's positive reinforcement. I mean, when you've never had that, when you've been bullied and you had no friends at school, It's nice when somebody gives you a compliment or says that you look better or you look good. So that really did encourage the behavior. And I think we see that with a lot of young people now is when they start to change themselves, whether it's their identity, whether that's for a surgery or not, they get this positive reinforcement and it's almost it enables the behavior. So it enables that person to continue because they just want validation. And that was certainly my case. And how old? I was 23. And then my last procedure was when I was uh, 32.
0: Okay, and if I may ask, how old are you now? Uh,
1: Thirty-three.
0: 30, okay. Okay. So just in in, in the last year. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how many procedures all told do do you do you think you have? Do you, can you keep track of them? I'm I'm not exactly sure how they rack them up.
1: Yeah, so it was actually thirty two in total. So Whoa. six nose surgeries, three eye surgeries, three facelifts, um, two chin surgeries. You know the list is endless, but yeah, I did a lot of things. <laughs>
0: Wow. So, I mean, for over 10 years, I mean, you must have been continually going in and under the knife. I mean, what kind of a, a downtime did you give yourself in between procedures? What I mean, was there anything of note or were you just constantly going in and out of the hospital?
1: Uh, Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, I'd leave it about six months between some of the surgeries or sometimes up to a year. But, you know, there were some surgeries, for instance, when I had the transition surgery, the facial feminization, I had 11 surgeries in one day. When I used to live in Korea in 2019, I had five surgeries in one day, which was changing all my bone structure in my face. So, you know, I did a lot of things at the same time, but still, you know, it became... The more I started to do, the more I'd want to do. So it was, you know, I'd do one surgery, then I'd want to do another one. And it became very dangerous, to be honest, because when you keep putting yourself under anesthetic, the general anesthetic, especially for long periods of time, that does give you an increased risk of having a heart attack, having blood clots. So I really did put myself at risk. And, you know, there were points where I could have died. So, you know, I'm glad I'm still here to kind of tell the tale and warn others.
0: So is, is there anything that you have considered having reversed or uh, is it just, you know, you're, you are who you are now and you're willing to accept it and just move forward?
1: Yeah, I've accepted now that, look, I've done a lot of things. I'm left with these surgical scars and, you know, sure, I still look very feminine, but I just have to accept that because I have to realize that changing the way I look is not going to be a solution for happiness and yeah. you know it was an addiction i've managed to beat that addiction just like somebody might have an alcohol addiction it was an addiction as well and there's not really any treatment for that because you don't go to like a plastic surgery rehab there's nothing um for that so you know i've gotten out of that cycle now and i just realized you know just learn to accept myself i may not be 100 percent happy because i still look very feminine but at the end of the day it's about working on myself internally i go to the gym i work out i go to church that's really been pivotal in- this kind of transformation and also writing my book gender madness has been like a therapy i've been reliving those past traumas and dealing with them you know taking these traumas on face on and saying look i've been through this but i've learned from this and now i'm a, a better person
0: Well, I'm really glad to hear that. I mean, obviously, you know, first of all, uh, faith, I think, uh, having been removed from uh, general society, certainly, you know, as a part of breaking down the nuclear family, I think that's been a very important aspect of this kind of overall gender and woke ideology mission that uh, that people have. You know, I mean, the, the left is slowly degrading society and putting these ideas into the heads of the younger generation so that they feel they have to be something else, anything other than what God made them. And, you know, I, I actually was wondering, I mean, was, was there anything that you felt in terms of external pressure in society, popular culture, uh, or was it really just the, the the culture itself in South Korea? Was there anything when you were a child that was pushing you towards this?
1: Well, I think as I became an adult, so I had all these issues, I, you know, really hated the way I looked and my identity. So when I had an adult, I think these things became possibilities. So it wasn't necessarily possible before that I felt that I could change my identity or change the way I look. So it was only when I moved to South Korea when I realized, hang on a minute, plastic surgery is a thing. I can actually fix myself and improve myself then, you know, as time went on, I still wasn't happy. So then that's when the gender dysphoria kind of seeped back in. And, um, you know, you have people enabling you. And then you have, of course, societal trends, social media and entertainment that pushes you to be different. Right. Because they want to break down the nuclear family. They want to break down boys into, and make them feminine. know, and vice versa with girls. So there's that pressure. So it's very easy to fall victim to that when you're in a vulnerable state, when you're struggling with mental health, when you just want validation, and you have all these things around you saying that you need to change your identity in order to be happy. So no, these as a kid, these things weren't available to me, but as an adult, they became available. And that's when I started to change
0: well, what what really frightens me, Ali, is, is that, you know, you were kind of on the front end of this trend that we're seeing now. You mean, I mean, sure, I mean, I remember all throughout my life, you know, people, you know, who who got plastic surgery and got addicted to that, the idea of that. But we're, we're in a place now where these things are now available to children, where they are actually pushing them on children. You know, you, you go on TikTok and you just see video after video of, you know, adult women showing off uh their breasts that have been cut off, or, or or talking about how to get your parents or your doctor to uh, you know, consent to something like this. You know, what do you need to say in order to convince them? You know, these are the 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 markers that you need to look for. Or even, I mean, even doing it with like mental disorders and stuff, you know, disassociative identity disorder. It's 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 crazy. So I mean, I, I just I wonder how much worse it could have been for you if you would have been part of that TikTok generation too.
1: Yeah, it would have been a lot worse. And I think I would have transitioned and changed much, much earlier on, because, look, if I would have been 11 years old, 12 years old, and I was offered puberty blocks or hormones, that for me would have been a solution to my problem. So I would have automatically taken that path. So thankfully, that wasn't readily available back then. But you know, it really is harmful to society we live in now. And I talk about this in my book, Gender Matters. I've got several chapters about how social media is driving this trend and Confusing kids. I mean, look. You know, I've been doing social media since I was sixteen. I was on MySpace back in the day, then Instagram. So you no, know, you know, I was, on, Bre- Friendster. I was on
0: Friendster before MySpace. <laughs> wow,
1: that is like ancient social media history. It is. But, um yeah. You know, so you know, I've been on social media, and that was giving me validation. So now, when you've got trends that are showing these women cutting off their breasts, and it's got over two point two billion views on TikTok just of the double mastectomies. Um, so that is really driving the trend so i wouldn't have stood a chance if i grew up right now um and these kids don't stand a chance because the algorithms manipulate them they push these ideas on them they make it seem cool and trendy that if you transition you are finally going to see feel validated you're going to feel loved all of your problems will go away and we often see that this was also in my case we often you know if somebody's trans you present a facade, you pretend to be happy, and you also convince yourself that you're happy. So you see, they might be smiling, they're pretending to be happy, but deep down, these people are struggling and you can see it in their eyes. There is some struggle in there and they're trying to mask that. They're trying to convince the world that they are finally happy. So no, social media is not real life. We have to accept that. And we need to teach kids to love themselves and what they see online. You know, they shouldn't have to become like that person just because they're an influencer or because they look up to them.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean the the trends that I'm seeing are just and out of this world. I mean, not only with uh you know people changing their gender ideology, but I'm seeing like 15-year-old boys uh going on uh, uh anabolic steroids or I mean they call them SARMs now. It's selective androgen mimicking, I don't know, something. It's something along those lines. But I mean, it's essentially they're taking anabolic steroids. It's like nobody is comfortable being who they are and, and it's it's destroying this uh, youngest generation of people, I think. Um, So what was what was the response before when you were comfortable doing the transitioning and everybody was supporting you? And then after, I mean, because you were in the media both before and after. I'd like to know how that changed and uh, who was it that perhaps turned on you once you decided that maybe you were doing the wrong thing?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because when I was uh, living in Korea and I said, look, I want to have the Korean look. And, you know, that was at the time I was trying to remove myself from who I was. I was trying to change myself completely. People went crazy online, all the trans activists, the LGBT community that are normally so inclusive and accepting of whether you identify as an animal, a furry, whatever you identify, they're always so inclusive. So suddenly they went absolutely crazy and they really bullied me very severely. And I I was very confused at the time because, you know, I was just trying to fit in. I was trying to be happy. And then suddenly these people who were telling me before that you can be anything you want were suddenly bombarding me with hate and death threats. And you know, the abuse was horrific. Um, So that was really shocking because I was just seeking validation and I suddenly didn't get it. So so that made me want to change myself more because I thought maybe i would misplaced my struggles. So then I, you know, I... I transition I had the transition surgeries on my face and uh, suddenly it changed suddenly they were nice suddenly they were validating me that you look beautiful you look amazing this is who you are meant to be Ollie you're meant to be a trans woman and it was that you know reinforcement and it felt good I have to say it felt good because when you've been subjected to bullying and hate your whole life suddenly to have that um, affirmation it felt really good and I think that's what a lot of young people want they're bullied at school they might be struggling with something and suddenly they're being told that they are amazing. Mm-hmm. That is a, a difficult thing to beat. You want that kind of validation. So I had that. So, and then suddenly when I detransitioned, I was like, you know what? This is not for me. It's really, you know, I've really struggled. I've misplaced my identity struggles. I need to just focus on finding myself and, you know, finding faith and getting back to the real me. Suddenly I got so much hate from these people that were previously praising me. And, you know, the abuse again was horrific. And, it just shows the human psychology. It's a cult-like mentality when they will easily welcome you in, you know, tell you to become trans, change your pronouns, you know, rejecting common sense. And then the moment you speak out against that narrative, you are deemed a heretic, you are deemed a traitor. And that was my experience. And that's the experience of anyone that goes against this gender ideology.
0: Yeah, it's like you can you can be whatever you want as long as you're just like us <laughs> because if you change then you're no longer like us and we won't accept it. Uh, it's some of the uh, the 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 least self-aware examples of uh, hypocritical thinking that I've seen in, in in many many years. I see it all the time online on Twitter and with these people who attack those who decide that they want to do something different with their lives. Uh so now that you have written the book uh, you know, what are your big plans? I mean, where do you expect this to go from here? Are you going to be doing advocacy work specifically seeking to, you know, be a, a source of inspiration or perhaps some place that people can go if they're looking to uh, uh, maybe figure out what's happening to themselves?
1: Yeah, So, I mean, I, I wrote Gender Matters. So firstly, it was a form of therapy. So it was a form of me kind of just uh, detailing my struggles. And I wanted to teach people that no matter what you're going through, whether it's an identity or another struggle, you can overcome it. It's all about the mind and training yourself to you know, deal with problems based on and, and realize that you are good enough the way that God made you. So I think that's an important message. Um, and also, you know, I've done a lot of research in this book that's talking about the trans trend right now how this is targeting children and what parents can do to kind of take a stand and regain their rights because parents have lost their rights. So in my mission now, um, since my detransition over the last year has been to speak out and to be a voice for those that are scared to speak up or be a voice for the confused, because I think, you know, kids need some guidance. Kids are being very easily led astray by social media trends, by schools, by, you know, harmful influence that they need somebody to tell them that's been through this, that look, no matter what you're going through you can overcome it you know you need to train your mind to be positive train your mind to learn to love yourself it's a very important message but i want to do some you know policy work i want to be helping you know, get some legislation to protect kids because look, there's 20 states now that have banned gender affirming care as they like to call it for children but it needs to be every state and every country in the world should be doing this and you know as you. Know and everybody watching this knows it's a predominantly westernized problem. We don't see this happening in China, we don't see this happening in you know other countries. Yeah. Um, so this is a westernized problem, and it really is being pushed to break down the nuclear family and to erode the alpha male. So, you know, I want to do a speaking tour to talk about this. I'm going to speak to you know faith communities, uh, Christians, um, parents, um, you know, teachers, organizations, the non woke ones that will actually listen. <laughs> And just, you know, and just raise awareness of this, because I think, you know, what's included in my book, Gender Madness, is talking about all of these problems and how we can overcome them. And I think the key thing with this is awareness, because a lot of people, they don't know the facts. They don't know what these clinics are doing. They don't know how children are being confused. And they don't understand that this is a very recent phenomenon. Now, it's not something that's been going on for 30, 40 years. This has happened really since uh, the pandemic and then TikTok came about. So, it's very, very recent. So I'm, you know, breaking that down in the book. And I want to do a speaking tour to talk about this. And, you know, I would love to to give my time um, and voice to help um, actually with President Trump's uh, campaign, because he has actually been very vocal in saying that he will ban um, gender affirming care for minors. He'll protect women's sports. So you know, I think it's important to work um with people that can actually make this change happen and get these laws passed because at the end of the day so many kids are suffering and you know we all need to speak up and do something about it.
0: No, a- absolutely. Uh over here on Rumble Low Country Brooklyn says we will ruin the gender industry in America. Shout out to Ollie London, Gab's Clark, Buck Angel, Mark Meets World, Sloan, Re- Rackmuth, Ratch Rakemouth, I'm sorry I don't know how to pronounce it, and Carlin Borisenko. This ends now with us fired. So thank you very much for that. I think you're absolutely right, uh, Brooklyn. This is uh, this is uh, something that needs to be addressed collectively. You know, one thing you said before is that there was uh, no resources available for you when you were trying to come out of this. I think that it's, it's, the, the problem has gotten so big that we need to start thinking about some sort of organized program to help people who are detransitioning to come out of that and to kind of normalize in their life. Because I mean, there's a lot of things to think about. I mean, obviously, you have the uh, uh, the the friend groups, I mean, that's totally going to have to change, you know, you're going to have to restructure your life and figure out where you're going to go from here. Uh, the, if you're taking hormones, you know, I mean, coming off of hormones, there's going to be, you know, imbalance in the way that you feel. Uh, psychologically, I mean, there's just so many different things to consider with that, you know, and uh, I I don't know, I think that we need some sort of organized program to help people readjust and get back into regular life.
1: Yeah, and that's what's lacking right now. And that's why you see Know, few de-transitioners speak up because there aren't any resources out there. I mean, we have seen, luckily, in the last year, you know, things happen, so there's now de-trans awareness, which was set up by a great de-transitioner called Kat And um, So you have groups that are discussing this, so giving, uh, you know, young people a platform to speak to others that have been through this for guidance. Um, But it's really harmful because these doctors in the hospitals are so quick to transition children, but they will, you know, take a step back and say, sorry, we can't help you if this kid wants to go back to being themselves because once they've done all those body surgeries, the hormones, it's very difficult to fix those things. And, you know, they don't want to deal with it. So there's very little support. But, you know, thankfully, there's some very brave detransitioners speaking up. as Chloe Cole, Prisha Mosley, many others. So I think that's the awareness is really helping and allowing these young people to speak to people. And, you know, we need to connect them with professionals that are going to help them and say, look, we can get you a consultation at the hospital. Maybe we can see if we can do a breast reconstruction surgery you know, if they've had a and set, let's see what we can do to fix you or how can we help you get off the hormones. But there's no system in place right now because all the hospitals are quick to transition, but they have they don't want to help them detransition because it looks bad for their stats, right? So if they have a high percentage of detransitions, it shows that their clinic is doing bad things. So they do not want to help these kids at all. They just you know push them away and say, sorry, we can't help you. Um so yeah I think awareness helps I think you know having resources like you know my book Gender Madness detailing I, you know i talk a lot about detransitioning transitioning in the book i speak about the cases of some well-known detransitioners what they've been through and how their parents were coerced to go along with this process um but yeah i think more people speaking up. we've seen really a lot of brave detransitioners share their stories online on social media on television um, and even on uh, Reddit, there is a, a group in a community with 50,000 de-transitioners on there. Oh, so wow. huge, huge number. So there's a lot of them out there that are just, you know, scared to speak out. But, you know, we need to connect them with people that can help them. Like I said, professionals that are willing to help them get some sense of normalcy and, you know, fix these health problems that they're having from their hormones and surgeries.
0: So, you know... The- it's it's sad because the – one of the reasons that there is no organized effort for detransitioning is because it's not a, a money-making opportunity right now. But to transition people, it is highly incentivized by hospital systems, by insurance companies, obviously doctors if they're doing – Plastic surgical procedures on people I mean they 're going to be making a ton of money off of that stuff, and it 's being reinforced by uh, people like you know Joe Biden uh, inviting people to join the military so that they can get free surgeries and stuff like that. But once that happens, i mean it 's very difficult to go back you know I mean there is a, such a a high rate of suicide among people who have transitioned with they feel that they can 't go back to a, a sense of normalcy i have in, in researching this subject, I have heard some horrific stories of men who were given the, the, the male-to-female surgery uh, and, like, they've had a perforated colon. You know, I mean, just nothing ever works right. It's, it's, it seems like such a nightmare, and, and every time it's the same thing. They had no idea that that would even be a possibility. They were just told, hey, you're going to wake up and you have a vagina all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. And the, the people aren't informed. It's not informed consent to these doctors. It's malpractice to convince them that this is an easy procedure you know, for a woman to have a penis. It's a phalloplasty procedure. They have to take a really big chunk out of the arm or the thigh, cut it up. And it literally looks, looks like they've been in a, a, a fire. You know, yep. They're going to have a massive chunk of their skin taken up. They're not told how bad that's going to be they're also not told that the you know the phalloplasty surgery the, the new penis doesn't function correctly they're going to have serious issues with incontinence bleeding uh, issues with intercourse you know a huge number of complications and they're not told that the doctors will just say it's super easy we're going to fix this you're suddenly going to be a man and you know the rest is history but you know they're they're being missold so it's complete malpractice and there there are now 60 transitions across the u.s that have filed lawsuits against hospitals that have done this so all it takes uh zach is one of these lawsuits to be successful and then that's going to change everything because these hospitals have been getting away with this for so long you know they've missold a dream to these patients they have you know not giving them the facts of all the health complications they're going to have. And also there's no long-term data because this thing that they're doing to kids is very, very recent. So there's no, you know, 20, 30 year research saying, okay, they're going to develop blood clots. They're going to develop heart palpitations or issues with bone density because of these puberty blockers. There's nothing to show the harmful effect in, you know, 20, 30 years time. So god god forbid what's going to happen to these young people that have been through this because it, it really is scary but um you know, i think these lawsuits are going to really change things once one is successful i think we're going to see hundreds if not thousands more de-transition spell lawsuits and that could finally change the industry
0: yeah unfortunately all too often it requires some sort of a, a financial remunerate, remunerate player is just now resubmitting their application for a bitcoin etf so As a result, investors are thinking this is just over the horizon. Mainstream adoption is right around the corner. Now, add to that, lawmakers recently voted to set guidelines on just when and how crypto firms should register with either the Commodities Futures Trading Commission or the Securities and Exchange Commission. Now, while all of this is good news, an ETF only gives you exposure to crypto, not direct ownership. The whole point of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin is to directly own an asset with a finite supply. That is outside of any government influence, and My Digital Money can help you do that. With My Digital Money, you own your crypto, whether you invest in a crypto IRA or with a standard trading account. Now, remember, it's important to diversify your portfolio. And when it comes to a crypto investment, direct ownership is of the utmost importance. So don't get caught up in the excitement the media is trying to spin, because nothing beats owning your own crypto and nothing beats investing in crypto through My Digital Money. Not only are you able to invest with them using a crypto IRA, but also a standard trading account, and it's all in the same platform. You also have the assurance that your assets are going to be put into a trust. That means that no matter what happens to my digital money, your crypto is always safe. So if you're ready to invest in cryptocurrency, do so with MyDigitalMoney.com. Once again, that's MyDigitalMoney.com. The link is in the description box below. And I should also tell you they have excellent U.S.-based customer service. So feel free to give them a call with any questions you might have at 833-636-2008. Invest with MyDigitalMoney.com today. And when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, we're back. Thank you very much for sticking around uh, now, Ali, in the same way that uh, people were complimentary to you before you decided to detransition, then they kind of turned on you. What about the people who are in the same position of you as you? I mean, have you been reached out to by those who would perhaps be too afraid to come out publicly? Have you been a, a private source of help for these people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of detransitioners message me. I mean, you know, some of them in the public eye, some not. And they you know, they all firstly say, thank you for speaking up because they know how hard it is in their own lives because we see with detransitioners, just like with a cult, these uh, trans activists, they try to silence them because they don't want the truth to be revealed because it, you know, it ruins their narrative. It, it breaks away their facade. So they do everything they can to silence these people. So, you know, they speak to me all the time. They ask for advice and stuff and, you know, I do a lot of media interviews, so I also help them, you know, with their media training to make sure they're able to get to the point and say what they need to say and you know, have the courage to say that. So I, I really try to help as many as I can. And, and like I said, there are thousands out there. I speak to a number of them, but there are so many more out there that we don't know about because they are fearful of speaking, even reaching out to someone because they know there could be, you know, repercussions in their in their social circle. Because we have to remember most of these kids. And they're trans, all of their other friends are going to be trans or non-binary. So yeah. if they detransition, they basically lose everything around them. They lose their community. They lose their friends. They get ostracized. They get hate. They get all of this. So it's a very difficult thing. But I talk in my book, Gender Man, it's about the transitions, how difficult it is, how they can navigate through this uh, difficult journey and try to kind of find some sense of normalcy, try to find themselves again.
0: Uh, T.Z. Burton over on Rumble says, Ali, we have a family member who is trans, male to female, no bottom surgery. She's doing well. Thank you for your strength and the courage to tell your story. Uh, And, you know, in in addition to uh, uh, the people reaching out, I I really like uh, what you were saying there about uh, training these people for media. I mean, I think that's exactly what we need. We we need to have a stable of people who can speak about this subject with authority uh, and and have the courage and bravery to do it. I mean, it, it does seem and I'd like to know if you feel the same way that we were I feel like we've reached a tipping point. Like, America has had enough, and people are really rejecting this stuff. It used to be for a couple of years, everybody would just kind of stay quiet. Okay, you know, crazy leftists on Twitter, you know, obviously you got a blue-haired weirdos on on TikTok, but, you know, that's not my family, it's not my front door, and I don't have to deal with it. And it got to the point where they basically were running everything, (laughs) and now like the the pendulum is swinging the other way. Do do you feel the same? Do you think things, uh, that the winds are changing?
1: Yeah, I mean, that you're right about that. It was A couple of years ago, we did notice these things, but nobody really paid enough attention because it wasn't so widespread. But when now, you know, parents are suddenly seeing kids, either their kids or other kids in their school transitioning, it has become a social contagion. So we're now seeing it everywhere. Not only that, the LGBT lobby groups have really been captured by gender ideology. So we've seen it with all of these brands like Target pushing and Pride collection on kids. We've seen Disney pushing non-binary characters on kids and so many other examples. So it really is a multifaceted attack on children from all angles. So people are more aware now and parents are seeing schools that are transitioning their kids without them even knowing. Just the other day in New Jersey, 100 parents protested outside a courthouse because The court sided with a school that was transitioning kids without parental consent. So it's become widespread. It's become mainstream. And thankfully, many people are speaking up because they've had enough because, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, sure, there were trans people. There's been going after kids is really inherently evil to do this, to confuse kids. And a lot of these kids are autistic as well. So they're doing this to very vulnerable kids. So that's why we're seeing now a turning tide and people finally speaking up. And thankfully, in the last year, 20 states have passed these laws banning these these surgeries and hormones for kids. And we are seeing a huge backlash against this trans ideology. But sadly, when you have all of these very powerful companies pushing this, now you have big school unions pushing this. You know, that Randy woman, she's absolutely crazy. That teacher's union president. nuts. Oh, yeah. that's, uh, that's the kind of people that are pushing this. So, you know, the fact that there are people fighting back, women detransitions, you know, great people like you, Zach, and all the amazing people watching this. You know, speak up. That's the most important thing we can do. Because if our voices are loud enough, we can you know, push these people back and say, enough is enough. Leave the kids alone.
0: So obviously there is a uh, financial incentive for people and groups to be pushing this. Uh, Clearly, there's this uh, desire by some groups to change society into a a certain, I guess, you know, role that they wanted to fill. What do you believe is the ultimate impetus behind this movement to turn children uh, into something other than they are?
1: Well, you know, I would say money because there's a huge financial incentive for Big Pharma to make money. You know, they made $2.2 billion last year on transitioning kids. And you also have to think if the kid transitions, they're going to be a customer of Big Pharma for life. Right. right. they not only they're going to run hormones for life, but they're also going to have health complications. So they're always going to require medical procedures and, you know, uh, pharmaceuticals. Um, But, you know, I think there is something even more evil behind just money because it really is the last couple of years. It's really been pushed like never before. So it's an evil agenda. And, you know, we we have to look at who's benefiting from this. Well, you've got China, the CCP, which owns TikTok. This is where it's really being pushed. They are benefiting because look at the chaos it's caused across society in America and in Europe. The breakdown of society, you know. Women are being silenced and suppressed. Um, you know, athletes are being, you know, pushed back and then allowed to speak up. It really is like communist agenda because it's at the end of the day, it's uh, they use all the same tactics, silencing opposition, confusing people, breaking down people's fundamental identities and telling them they are someone they're not. know, it's like two plus two equals five in George Orwell's um a 1984 novel so you yeah. know China has a lot to gain from this and also there's some very evil people at the top you know pushing this um you know obviously the Biden administration has made this their mission you've got Rachel Levine who I will call evil because they are pushing this on kids they are you know a transgender human health and services secretary they are really pushing this they went to a clinic in Alaska the other day and they support you know changing the word mother to egg uh egg carrier that's oh what they want God. to call mothers. I mean, it's just it's just really evil. So, you know, we need to get to the bottom of it, Big Pharma and the other people that are profiting from this and call them out and say enough is enough. We reject this ideology because it goes hand in hand with communism and Marxism and you know, it is about breaking down families, it's sterilizing young girls. So yep. many girls are gonna be sterilised now, no more kids. And also, you know, the boys they're becoming trans, so they're not gonna to want to have kids. You know, it's breaking down that. Um, so it's a very dangerous agenda. It's not You know, we shouldn't take it at face value or it's just, you know, more people are more open minded now. This is a very evil agenda. And, you know, we need to overcome it because at the end of the day, kids cannot consent to any of these things. They have no idea about the long term implications So we all need to speak up for them
0: absolutely yeah you make an excellent point you know china obviously with the rise of tiktok i mean they do have a vested interest in sowing this type of ideology i mean they publicly stated you know decades ago in in the midst of the cold war russia and china uh that using things like racial ideology here in America would be an excellent way to sow discord, uh, to upset society. I mean, the same thing is true with gender ideology. It's just, you know, a a different checkbox that they're using. And it's so important to note that the Chinese are not slowing down on having babies. They're definitely not making their boys into girls and girls into boys. They're, They're not sterilizing their children. Their military continues to grow, and I think that they publicly have stated that their desire is to be at the top of the heap in terms of the, the global supremacy ladder. Uh, okay, we do have two people on the line, so I'm going to bring in uh, our first caller, Alive and Thriving, and then uh, next caller with the 313 area code, just uh, sit still, and uh, we'll have you in here in just a minute. Alive and Thriving, it's so good to see you, buddy. How you doing, man?
2: Doing good, Zach. How are you doing?
0: Excellent, excellent. So, what's on your mind?
2: Um, I am absolutely enthralled by – I haven't read your book, so please forgive me if I ask something and you've already answered it. But um, um, is there –
1: was there a lot of
2: trans community and transitioning individuals in South Korea
1: Um, So I only lived in South Korea back in 2013. So I was back in the UK. So there was a lot of trans people, a lot of non-binary people. And, you know, it's when you constantly see that in society, it's being pushed everywhere on TikTok. And I was a big TikTok user. So all I would start to see is, you know, be trans, change your identity, and then suddenly you get love and praise. So I was surrounded by that, but I did go back and forth to Asia, but you, know, you have a lot of feminine guys in Asia. So you know, in Korea, for instance, they're very feminine, but not necessarily openly trans. It's not really a thing that's in Asia. It's more of a Western society, but certainly when I was back in the UK, you know, I had people around me saying that I needed to transition, that I should be trans. and. of course, social media algorithms were pushing out on me as well. So when you're in a confused, vulnerable state and these people are telling you things and social media is telling you these things, you generally start to believe it. So that's what happened uh, with me.
2: Absolutely. And I I imagine, did you have a lot of uh, personal relationships with with trans individuals? And did you you hang out with them like one on one and have a lot of conversations that would, would go along with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you become part of that community, most of your friends are trans or non-binary because you know, that's your new community, right? And you need people that uh, understand you or are in the same headspace. So... That's why it's very difficult for me and for others when you detransition because you lose your whole friendship circle, basically. And look, I did have friends that were just, you know, normal. They weren't trans and stuff, but you do lose a lot of things. So, you know, these people give you advice. They tell you, you know, what surgeries to do or what you can do next. And they help you along this journey. But because I think they're confused themselves, not all of them are necessarily evil when they're pushing it you know some trans activists a lot of them are but you know somebody that's just confused and vulnerable they generally believe that they've made the right decision and they generally believe that you should uh, take the same decision as well so it's very confusing to be around that when you're in a vulnerable state and you just kind of go along with what they're saying and then in that community like
2: are how is the sex life and what i'm specifically asking about is like with an individual who's had bottom surgery transitioning from male to female, I don't know enough, but I, I imagine that it's not a very well functioning sexual organ as God intended. So my question really is about like, is there a lot of like unhappiness within that community because they've transitioned into the opposite gender, but then They're no longer getting sex. They're no longer getting intimacy like they might have thought they would. Is that is that a thing?
0: Uh, Ali, this is something that I have heard reported Mm -hmm. quite often is that oftentimes Mm -hmm. people who either have the phalloplasty or the vaginoplasty, they lose their ability to have an orgasm like that ultimate sexual release. I mean, and once that's gone, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh
1: Yeah, I mean the doctors. Uh, you know, like we were saying earlier, the doctors don't tell them about these complications. They just say, "Yep, yeah, you're going to have a vagina, or you're going to have a penis," and then the person believes that it's going to function. So, and also, you know, what we're seeing is a lot of young people are doing these procedures um, before they're really you know, sexually active, so they don't understand the ramifications. They don't understand it, and so, you know, if if a woman has a phalloplasty, in a surgery is very difficult for that to function they may have intercourse and start bleeding and be in excruciating pain and you know, somebody that has a vagina uh, surgery they have to have a dilator that they use every single week for the rest of their lives to stretch it otherwise the hole closes up so yes. it's, it's really risky and you know a lot of them can get infections from you know internal bleeding internal ripping if they're having intercourse so it's really really risky and then that just furthers the complications and you know These people need to have more surgeries and more medication. So, you know, just make some big pharma customers for life. So it's really sad they they have no concept of how this is actually going to affect. And these things don't function normally.
2: Probably most of the doctors understand what you just said is going to be on the other side of that surgery for that person.
1: Yeah, Yeah. they they, they know it. They know it and they still do it, you know, because it's about money for them. So they don't inform the patient. It's not informed consent and therefore it is uh, malpractice. Mm.
0: Yeah, because uh, once once they've gone through the surgery, they're like, as Ali said, they're going to be a pharma customer for life, you know, so they're probably going to be on. Maybe Xanax, antidepressants. You know, certainly they're going to be on painkillers. I mean, there are repeat visits that continue on and on, and uh, and and like I said, the insurance companies are—they just pay for it. I mean, uh, I, I I believe that at one time they they wouldn't just shell out the money for it. But it became such a big industry, and you know these people they have a lot of influence uh, in terms of like public pressure campaigns and you know pressure behind the scenes telling people that if you don't uh, cover this type of stuff, then you know you're a bigot or something like that, and so they 've essentially just forced it upon people, and I think that the insurance companies and the medical providers they recognize like, hey, you know I mean like if we make this part of our you know everyday routine, then that's just a whole nother revenue stream. We can bring in on a regular basis. It's really sad.
2: Yep. And another blow to critical thinking capabilities on the part of individuals that we need to be some of the most like doctors should be the most critically thinking types of individuals, but they're just coming out of the school of Pfizer and wreaking havoc.
0: I I was actually going to make that connection earlier. I mean, it's it's kind of striking how similar. The tread, the trajectory of this has been, uh, in the same way that it was to like the the vaccine and and uh, you know the, the the quality of care that people got during the the pandemic. You know, I mean, like doctors just pushed this on them. They said, you know, this is what you need. Go ahead and do it. And uh, and they didn't give them informed consent, and people weren't aware of the the dangers of it. And the exact same thing is happening to people who are being given gender affirming care. Uh there's but there's really nothing affirming about it. I mean, it's just uh they're they're allowing people to fall prey to a really dangerous ideology. It's sad.
2: It is. Yeah. Zach, I don't want to take up any more time, but I, I appreciate you. Ollie, thank you so much. Namaste to both of you. Um on my way
1: out, Ollie, did you say that you were like going to the gym and stuff now? Doing things yeah, about- that. Yeah, that really helps. You know, I go to the gym every day, I work out, and it just gives you that positive mindset. So yeah. that's what I say to young people, you know, do something that's gonna make you happy. Go for a walk, go hiking, go camping, or go to the gym and release that serotonin in a different way. You no, know, it really, really can help. Mm. Absolutely. And just as a as a last thing,
2: um there are two herbs that are extremely beneficial towards uh increasing our the male body's natural production of testosterone Mm -hmm. and it's uh tongue got ali or tongue cat ali yeah and Mm -hmm. doja agrestis so at any point if you think that that was that that would be appropriate for you that that can definitely help because i heard you say earlier about you know you still Mm have an appearance you're going to the gym and you're reclaiming your your masculinity you know you're in that Mm -hmm. process and so
1: those two things are beneficial for that path. That right. sounds great. Thank you for recommending. Yeah. so anything healthy and natural, you know, that can help with that. That's great. Absolutely. You,
0: appreciate no, you, brother.
1: Appreciate it.
0: We'll yes. see you Thanks. soon. Peace. Absolutely. All right. We've got another caller on the line. This is a phone call. Caller, you're on the air. Can we get your name?
3: Hey, what's happening, Zach? And uh, welcome, Holly. It's uh, case
0: Casey. k c welcome back to the program, sir. Go ahead. You got the floor.
3: Well, it's a very interesting story you're telling, Ollie, and hopefully you have set yourself free, so I'd like to give you a nickname of Ollie. Ollie sets himself free. (laughs) 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 But uh, I guess got a couple of questions just about your backstory and just the whole transgender narrative out there, because it really seems like whether it's individual or group ignorance is really the seeds that sow the chaos that confuses even the youngest of us. Um, You said you were bullied. Um, Ali, did you have a brother, uh, older, younger? What's the family dynamic? Did you have anybody to look to uh, in the sense of you going through this transformation, uh, sort of having pictures in your book? we only know what you look like now. What would you have looked like without all the surgeries? Can you answer that question? Well, yes,
1: I mean, I did look very, very different. And, you know, so with my dad, I had a very difficult relationship with him. So he was very um, controlling and very emotionally abusive to my mother and to me. So that really made me want to reject him and try to, you know, try to become someone else completely different from him. So that played a part in my uh, story. Um, But, you know, most of my friends um, at elementary school were girls. And at high school, I had very few friends because of the bullying. So I didn't really have like that male role model that was a positive influence. My father was a bad influence. He wasn't somebody I wanted to grow up and become like. So I didn't have that role model. And I think it is very important for kids, whether it's an older brother or a, a good father figure, to have that masculine role model because I think it helps show them that, you know, this is who you should aspire to be. But, you know, I was lacking that. So I think that contributed to why I was so confused.
3: So you are a, 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 an only child?
1: Um, I have a sister, yes, yeah.
3: Oh, Another brother. Sister.
1: Okay. Yeah,
3: well, you know what? In, in the big scheme of things, it's better to be a victor than a victim. So I can understand mm-hmm. you taking on the victim mentality because it's easier in a lot of respects. But I, I also want to say it's, Easier to be nice. It takes work to be a jerk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't want to work that hard. So don't take <laughs> any of this as, a, as an insult. Um, but you also have to go by the axiom of when it comes to the bullies and everybody else, the pedophiles, if they, if you will, hurt people, hurt people. All right. And if you're just getting a vibe of, you know, this person's been hurt and all they want is payback, stay, stay the heck away from them. All right. in the respect that, you know, they they felt hurt. So they're going to hurt people. Um, but I also want to kind of give a scientific aspect to the confusion part, because people um, say, well, there's only two sexes. K-
0: Casey, um, Casey, Casey. I, yeah, I just I, we've got nine minutes left. We've got one caller left. So I wanted to just ask you to uh, uh, make your final statements as brief as possible.
3: OK, uh, my point is. And it's not to get religious or anything, but do you guys know who Baphomet is? Sure. Yes, of course. Yeah. 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 He was actually the first time recorded uh, hermaphrodite. Mm -hmm. And I think there are three sexes male, woman, hermaphrodite. So anybody that wants to change their sex, if they're not a hermaphrodite, they're a hermaphrodite wannabe. They're actually gender acquiring, all right, a hermaphrodite. Because a hermaphrodite is the only person that could choose whether to be a man or a woman because they've got both the uh, genitalia. Mm-hmm. So the fact that Baphomet goes so far back shows you that it is an actual sex. So when people say there's only two sexes, they're wrong. It's three. And I think the only people that can choose are actual hermaphrodites. So if we can at least shame people in the transgender community to say, you know what, you're not a hermaphrodite. Those are a protected minority. Just like the Golden Bloods, just like the Albinos. So just if we keep with that mindset, they don't have a leg to stand on intellectually. But God bless you, Zach and God bless Ali. You too. Keep your, keep up the hard work and you know, God bless you with your transformation back to what you want to be, but also what you were
0: intended to
1: be. Thank you, JC.
0: Thank you. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right. We've got Sloan on the line. And if if this is who I think it is, I actually think that I saw Sloan uh, tagging into a conversation about you coming on the show tonight, earlier on Twitter. Uh, Sloan, we're just waiting for your microphone to connect while I'm doing that. Um, you know, Casey made a point, something that I've uh, made an observation about before. You know, you said that there is uh, an evil at play here. Uh, and I think that uh, unfortunately – People, some of the most heinous types of people, uh, those who would victimize children, uh, have used this gender ideology as uh, a pathway to have an easier access to that specific type of victimization. You know, the sexual abuse of children and, uh, you know, the 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 fact is that. I think Casey's right, you know, I mean, like, the transgender ideology is kind of like the physical manifestation of that Baphomet idea, you know, the idea of being, you know, uh, as above, so below, you know, part man, part woman, and, uh, and, and creating your reality rather than accepting what you were made to be, and, like, that's part of, like, the the satanic uh, ideology as well as, you know, like you, you are God and uh, your reality is created by you rather than, you know, our creator giving us this life and we have to find our way through it. So um, Sloan's audio is still connecting. Would you like it to make any comments on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, there is also an interlink between the Satanism and this current transgender ideology. I mean, we see, for instance, the Target Pride collection was designed by a Satanist. And we see a lot of LGBT community members wearing Satanic, you know, uh, what's it called, the pendulants or the the five-star thing, you know, their bathroom. Uh, Pentagram. Pentagram, that's it. So you see, you know, a lot of them with the tattoos and stuff. So there are Satanic elements being pushed. And, you know, we also saw... the Balenciaga scandal last year and that had satanic elements as well so I think not just the trans thing but there's a lot of kind of evil things being pushed on the world right now to try and sexualize young people and to try and normalize that so that is why it's so important to fight back against the trans ideology because it does link into that link into that kind of that satanism the baphomet kind of thing as well and there are a lot of people out there that uh, don't believe in god and they want kind of No access to young people. So it's, we need to speak up for
0: that. Amen. Uh, All right, Sloan, you are on the air with us. If you want to go ahead and unmute your microphone, welcome to the program.
4: Hello, thank you so very much for having me this evening. And Ali, I am a huge fan of yours here in North Carolina.
1: We're friends on Twitter. Nice to see you, Sloan. Oh,
4: (laughs) thank you. Thank you so much. I have to say that uh, when our story broke about uh, transgender services, if you will, being offered to children as young as two years old. Um, Ollie was one of the most responsible parties for helping that story go viral. And as a result, it is law now in North Carolina that minors minors may not be offered any puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, or transgender surgery. And I want to tell you that, Ollie, your help has been instrumental in helping us get this into law two days ago.
1: Sloan, Thank you so very much. Thank you. You know, firstly, like I'm always happy to help because I always believe it's important in raising that awareness. And I remember when Sloan reached out to me and they were, you know, she was telling me that these hospitals, there were three hospitals in North Carolina that were advising that three year olds and four years olds can be transgender. So it was absolutely shocking. So, you know, Sloan, myself and others shared this on Twitter, and it did get a lot of media attention. Sloan has been working tirelessly uh, with the legislature to get this passed. and thank goodness to Sloan and everybody else in North Carolina for passing this bill because it it's gonna save a lot of lives and a lot of kids. So well done to you. i'm I'm so proud of you.
4: Well, thank you very much. it's It's great to be a part of this movement with people that are willing to put everything on the line. And and really, this is a hill that we're all going to die on. And I I just um, yeah, I I love the show. I'm a big fan. And thank you so much for allowing me to call in.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for your efforts as well.
4: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: All right. God thank bless. You, have, have a great night, uh, Ollie. We've only got a few minutes left and we've got a couple of thank yous I want to go through. I, people had some comments for you. Uh, Low Country Brooklyn. She said the abolition of the family is the queer Marxist trope. Create a non-binary society and destroy capitalism. Uh, I have to say I agree. Uh, thank you to uh, Cage Cage USPS. Uh, also, thank you to Porpoise Full. Uh, Brooklyn also dropped a link to your book, Gender Madness, available through Skyhorse Publishing. Once again, you can. FilterDog1 said, keep up the hard work. Uh, some drunk Texan, thank you for the donation. My mother, who is uh, very excited that you're here tonight, says, I'm cozy in the foxhole. My stream is better. Thanks for hanging out over there, Mom. Liberty Bell says, great show. Thank you. And then also, uh, Esther says, thank you, Zach and Ollie, for the important podcast. Have a good night. Thank you for being here, Esther. And then super con bro says, "Ollie, I love your Twitter. Keep up the great fight. Of course. Thank you, Zach, my Florida bro. Thank you very much for being here. So Ollie, at the end of the programs, I always like to ask my guests, what would you most like the audience to take away from our conversation tonight?
1: Well, I think the most important thing is to use our voices. No matter whether you have one follower or a million followers on Twitter, we can all make a difference. And and like Sloan was just saying, you know, the fact that we can make something go viral, we can actually get legislation passed. So it's very important. So on Amazon right now, it's just been released. And I think awareness is key. If we know the facts, if we know what's going on. We're better educated to speak up and, you know, be able to kind of win an argument against somebody that's advocating for this on kids. We can say, look, I've got the facts that I read in this book. We can defeat this. So let's all speak up, guys, no matter how many followers we have. And God bless you all. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it's so vitally important. We've got so many voices from the wrong side. They're essentially controlling the conversation now. And the more people like you that we have out there who are willing to discuss this, I mean, these are obviously difficult things. It's so vitally important. We need to make sure that we reach this younger generation. Ali, thank you again for being here. You are always welcome back on the show. Uh, You have my information. So if there's anything else that you ever want to say to the audience, you just let me know and you're welcome back.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate
0: it, and I'll definitely be back soon. Thank you, Zach. okay. Thank All you right. For
1: have, everyone. Have, have a great night.
0: Appreciate you. you All right. You and here we go. There we go. Thank you so much, everyone, for hanging out with us tonight. I do have uh, looks like one more super chat rumble rant rather from uh, low country Brooklyn. She says North Carolina House Republicans overrode Cooper to North Carolina. Thank you, Sloan. Happy birthday to your other half. Okay. All right. And, uh, oh, Ali had another interview that he had scheduled, so he couldn't be here any longer than one hour. And uh, I, it's, you know, whenever somebody has a hard out I like to make sure that I actually give them the out that they requested because otherwise they feel like they uh, you know they have to stay on the line because people are obviously calling in and talking to them or uh, or they don't want to be rude and uh, and and then he would be late for the next show so uh, Ollie had to take off but he will be back in the in the future uh, thank you to Porpoiseful for dropping a cookie over there on uh, the Foxhole. All right, you guys, I think we're going to go ahead and end it there. I don't have anything else prepared, uh, and nobody else was on the show. So thank you very much to uh, all of you for being here with us tonight. Tomorrow, of course, at 9 p.m., I will be back. And let me just pull up my calendar so I can tell you who exactly that will be with uh, that is going to be a show on transhumanism uh, with a, an author by the name of Joe Allen. He wrote a book called Dark Eon. So it dovetails right in with the idea of transhumanism. First, they want to change our gender. They want to change fundamental things about our bodies. And then once we accept that, it becomes that much easier to accept uh, the melding of man and machine. And what I'm most worried about with the transhumanist agenda Uh, is that they're going to actually do it. Uh, I mean, these people, the elites, they will blend themselves with computers, with machines, with circuitry, and that will most likely give them an edge, a a competitive edge among people of Earth. And uh, their ultimate goal is to control this planet to control humanity, uh, to subjugate us, to turn us into slaves at the end of the day. And what are we going to do when they become machines themselves, when artificial intelligence is running everything, uh, and when there's no jobs left for the average person? This is why it's so important for never come to pass. All right. I also wanted to give a big shout out to William Mayles. William wrote this book titled The Eighth Beast, an examination of modern tribulation theory and America in Prophecy. Uh, Looks like a great read. He said, Zach, for the last four decades, this message has laid on my heart. I've challenged it over and over, only to become a stronger a stronger conviction. Please read the last—please at least read chapter 18. was written in early 2002, after 9-11, from William Mills. William, I have uh, many books that I'm reading right now. I want you to know that I will read your book in its entirety. And I think it's probably pretty likely that I'm going to get in touch with you to just come on the show as well. Uh, Also wanted to say thank you to Lewis for uh, uh, sending me the uh, $10 donation he sends every single month, Lewis. I appreciate you. I've never seen you in the chat, or if you are in the chat, then I don't know who it is. Uh, And thank you very much, Chapman, for letting me know about Sloan. I I, uh, I, I saw you speaking with her on Twitter, and and I knew that she was going to call in, so – Uh, Let me just make sure I didn't miss anything on Cash App. Uh, Jeff, late yesterday, had uh, donated. I said that in the credits. Uh, And then on Ko-Fi, I don't think there's anything on Ko-Fi, but we're just going to go ahead and check as well because I don't want to miss anything. And let's see. Nope, nothing since two feathers. Okay. All right. In that case we're done for the night. Good luck. God bless. I'm going to pass out the gold pills. I hope you guys have a great one. And I'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. Actually, during the day tomorrow, I'm going to have another show uh, about a substance that has tremendous potential to heal the human body. When I learned about this stuff and the results that people were getting, it, it blew my mind. So, uh, anyways, I don't want to say any more than that. So around midday tomorrow, I'll be looking for a pre-recorded interview that I'm going to. If you guys have any experience with this stuff, and people have been recommending it to me for years. So, anyways, I took the plunge, and uh, I want to know what you think and uh, and and what your experience has been. So until tomorrow midday, keep an eye out for that interview. Good luck, God bless, and if I don't see a midday, then hopefully I'll see you tomorrow at 9 p.m. We'll see you.